Before I get started today, I just want you to know that uh, I'm not aiming at anyone with this sermon. I didn't have any one particular person in mind. No, not your wife either, Doug. (laughs) I just want you to know that, that every so often in the text something comes up and it needs to be preached, but I'm not aiming at you. So, But if you feel like I'm aiming at you, then just, you could be mad at me later, okay? I'm going to start in the middle of the text just because of the way I've said it. The, the text starts this way in John 6.60. Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, and he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew that the beginning, from from the beginning, which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you going to leave as well? Peter says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. So now you know that this is not the easiest text. This is the one spot where Jesus went from thousands of followers to twelve. Most effective sermon ever, right? It did exactly what it was supposed to do. It turned people on the thing. But let me ask you this question. How many of you like to be right? (laughs) Yeah, me too. I like to be right. How many of you like to be wrong and and, and have it pointed out that you're wrong? (laughs) See, I didn't see any hands go up. None of you enjoy that. I don't enjoy it either. The truth, though, is is that we all are right and wrong at times. And sometimes we enjoy it and sometimes we don't. But what we really like about being right, and I need to tell you this, is I think we like being right because it makes us seem like we know what's what in our lives. Am, Am I wrong about that? Do you like being right? When you're right, you feel like you've got everything under control and maybe you can handle this world. Just exactly like that, isn't it? Or as some would say, I'm sort of independent now. I'm not dependent on somebody else to correct me and lead me and do all this stuff. But we are dependent creatures. And what what I'm getting to right now is this statement. Remember this. This is a hard teaching. How can anyone accept it? I need you to hear this, that there's always a sticking point in the Scriptures. When you come to Jesus, there's always going to be a sticking point. There's always going to be some place where you've gone along with it. You thought, that's good. I'd really like to have life and eternal life, and that sounds really good. But now he wants to teach me something, and I'm going to be wrong in that spot, and I don't like it. That's exactly what's happening here. So, so politics aside, 
or let's say sin issues aside, or who's in and who's out aside, none of that stuff is free of becoming a sticking point. I'm always going to come ethically to some spot in the teaching of Jesus and go, man, I don't know if I can go there. And what you're living in is a Genesis 3 moment. Now let me tell you about the Genesis 3 moment. Genesis 3 is the fall of humans. That's where that is in the Bible. You're ever wondering. Genesis 3 is the spot where Adam and Eve are in the garden, and God says you can eat of anything in the garden, but this one over here, you should stay away from that one. And they end up in it, and Satan comes to them and tempts Eve, and she sins and eats the tree because it will make her able to judge right and wrong, just like God. That's the primary sin of humanity, by the way. I would like to be God. I think I can do it better than he does it. And how we become judges of every little thing in our life. So that's what I'm talking about, a sticking point. At some point, we need to recognize that we are not God and he is. Now for me... That was a point some 35 years ago that I recognized that the things that I was trying to do really well didn't work, and I became a Christian. At that point, I was looking at my painting. Some of you know my history, and you've heard some of the story. I had kind of started to understand some scripture and start to understand who I was, but I was sitting there in my paint studio, which, by the way, was a storage unit because I'd been kicked out of three buildings for fumes, right? The other people complained, and so I was in a storage unit, and I'm looking at my paintings, and some of you have seen those paintings on the wall in my office, but, but the early ones, and I started to see skills that I didn't own. Do you know what I mean by that? You start to do something, something happens, and it's better than you could do, and it's better than you thought you had the skill to do, and it's better. And at that moment, I knew that I couldn't even do the stuff I was good at without him. Well, if you can't do the stuff you're good at without God, how are you going to fare in every other location in your life? That's how God came to me in my life. But I had the sticking point, see? Because even then, even coming to Jesus, Jesus loves me, this I know is a really good starting spot. But somewhere down the line in your discipleship trail, you're going to come to some spot where you have an opinion, and it's a human opinion. And God's going to correct it. How many of you have experienced something like that? I'm not asking you um, to say what it is right now, but how many of you have been corrected in an area that you thought, I could talk to God anywhere, but right there, that's the way it's going to be for me? I've had those moments. I see some hands in here, right? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? There's going to be a sticking point. And in our world today, all the world says, this is the way it's supposed to be, and that Bible stuff, it's old-fashioned. We know better than the Bible. My opinion is more important than what God says. And I'm going to tell you, it don't matter what that issue is. At that moment... 
you're God in your own mind, and he's not. So let me go back and read some of this other text to you so you know that Jesus actually did give a fairly difficult assignment to them to step. We've been talking about this. I'll set it up this way. Jesus fed the 5,000 on the other side. Last week we were talking about him um, walking across the water and joining them. Now they're on the other side and they've come to him and they're super excited because he's fed them. Here's the text. 46. I'm in verse 46. I'm going to go back a little bit further. I could keep going. Just depends on how much you want to hear me read today. Okay, this is verse 32. 32. I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. Now he offers you the true bread from heaven, and the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, but you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. However, those the Father will give me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up in the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see the Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the people began to murmur. I need to to just take a moment and, and let you know what a murmur is. Now, you know what a heart murmur is, right? That's when your heart isn't functioning right and it doesn't make the sounds right. Right? We're just murmuring. Can I get a harumph out of you? (laughs) You're not actually making words. You're just vocalizing and you're just sitting there and you don't like what's going on and you've got some stuff under your breath. I know none of you have ever said anything under your breath hoping nobody actually hears you. (laughs) I have. And I've been heard saying it under my breath and all that stuff. You know what they call that? Murmuring. You're not actually saying words that are intelligible. This is what they're doing. They're going, we thought it was really cool that he gave us some bread over there and we wanted more bread. Now he's telling us that we have to believe in him and we have to do something. Don't like it. How can I be God if I have to believe and trust in somebody else? Stop complaining about what I said, says Jesus. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I'll raise them up. It is written in the scriptures, they will be taught by God. By the way, Taught by God is one of the coolest things that happens when you come to Jesus and you start to live by faith and he puts his spirit in you. You you know that his spirit knows all the stuff that God knows? It's one of the coolest things ever. If he puts his spirit in you, the spirit of God is in you and knows all the stuff God knows and can sort of let you know as you're willing and open to hear it. 
that's one of the key elements of the whole shebang, now, open and willing to hear it. And we talked about this in our Wednesday night study a lot. If you've ever heard something that's like God is speaking to you and you get, what did, what did Kim say in the, uh, in the study last week? Her goosebumps had cousins. Right, do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? When you're having a God moment and God's speaking to you and the, and the hair stands up and, and you're doing that, that is the Holy Spirit in you going, hey, make sure you don't miss that. Did you catch it? By the way, it works exactly the other way. You could be in there in some spot and somebody's saying, well, God is like blah, blah, blah. And you're going, something ain't right there. And the Holy Spirit's in you going, you know, maybe this won't take too long and we can move on. <laughs> and you're being taught by God. This is right in the scripture. By the way, the, the, the anointing that comes from God that is the Spirit, you can see more about that in 1 John chapter 2, around verse 20. Who was I? Anyway. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert, in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread of heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer the world may live is my flesh. And the people still arguing and murmuring. I know all of us go easily into that correction mode when we started beasts and you're with, in front of somebody that knows what they're talking about and you go, no, you're not right. And, they're, and, they're, and you give that up right away, don't you? Or do you just keep kind of arguing? I know my tendency is to continue digging the hole that I'm going to be buried in for a little bit, right? Because I'm headstrong. I know none of you are headstrong like that. It's okay. It's just me. I tell you, how can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. By the way, on this side of, of, of Jesus' death and resurrection, do we understand that he's talking about communion and taking our sustenance from him and that we live and breathe and have our being inside him and that we're, we know what the early people didn't know, that he's not actually talking about cannibalism here, is he? And if you read this as though he's talking about cannibalism, are you reading the text incorrectly? Okay. Good. I'm glad you hear that. I need you to know that there's all sorts of ways to read texts incorrectly. And if you get to cannibalism on this one, you've read it wrong. By the way, that's just another way that your desire to be God reasserts itself and goes, well, that don't make no sense. I'm reading it right. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because the living Father who sent me in the same way anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the bread, true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna. But if you do this with me, you will live forever. And he said these things in Capernaum, 
Many of his disciples said, this is hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? That's where I started. That's where I started. This is a tough teaching. By the way, it doesn't matter what the tough teaching is when you're talking about God when it's your sticking point. If it's sexual ethics, then at some point in time, you need to be aware that God's going to speak into your life in that area, and it's going to be hard for you to hear, and you might have to hear it a couple of times and, and receive the correction. Let's say for a second, it's how you handle your money. I know none of you in here handle money incorrectly, because I, I just know that. But if money is your God, and maybe you're living in this spot where you don't have very much, but but you still understand somewhere as the world says that he who dies with the most toys wins, you understand that that's a false premise. Even if you got to die with all your toys, you don't get to take them with you. Even if you bury them, well, you said this morning eight feet under, didn't you? You did. They're going to bury Greg's stuff deeper. Six feet under. <laughs> that even if you say, well, I would just really love that car. I need a bigger hole to take it with me. You're not going to enjoy it. If you die with all those toys, you don't win because you have them. But this life that he's talking about, and by the way, it's really easy to hear that in some church circles, you know, if you come to Jesus, you're going to have a better life. How many of you have heard that? How many of you initially thought, I'm going to have more cars, more friends, and more money? Because that would be a better life. Because that's the culture we live in, isn't it? That a better life means marble countertops and Maseratis in the garage. I'm not kidding you. I know people that have heard that. It's not the promise of the Bible, and that's their sticking point, isn't it? Do you see how, what I'm talking about, how simple that sticking point could be? And, and I know somebody specifically who heard that because the person that said, you're going to have a better life, didn't explain it enough, right? They, they threw the suitcase of better life in there and didn't open it up and unpack it. And explain that it meant that you weren't maybe going to have more money, but you'd appreciate life more. And then they felt lied to and walked away. This is a hard teaching. What do you mean I'm not going to have a better life? This is not better the way I thought it was going to be. So I'm telling you, it's not about this. What it's about is this sticking point. How much do you think being right is important? Because the scripture is the authority here. The reason we get it all wrong is because we've been listening to people that don't know their way. Or as Jesus said, you've got blind guides leading blind people. You're just blind guides. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how to get there. So now you're going to give instruction to other people? Yes, because I'm the judge. I know right from wrong. All of it. So let me wrap this up if you're sitting there. I think that if we spend just a couple of seconds being quiet, you'll know where you don't like to be corrected the most. 
Because I know exactly, if I, if I bow my head and pray and say, God, where's that spot that I don't like it when you speak into my life the most? He will tell me. Because I'll go straight to that spot where I get caught in the muck and the mire and I need to be lifted out. And the only way to be lifted out is to submit yourself to His teaching. And you can't sit there and murmur and go, I just don't like it when he does that. You know, God's at work in your life and you are dependent upon him. And the sooner you know that and the sooner you live out of it, the happier and better your life will be. In the meantime, there's full chances to murmur and argue with him. And he's big enough to let you do it. But if we could just spend a moment, I'm going, to count, I'm going to give you about two seconds to ask God if he'll talk to you about that sticking point, and then I'm going to pray, okay? Just bow your heads a little silent here. God, where's that spot in my life that you want to speak into that I haven't allowed you? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much this morning for each and every person here. I thank you that as humans, we've argued with us and with you and you've let us argue because you love us so much. But Lord, draw us to you past that spot of argument, past the murmur and into life. Do that, Lord Jesus. Help us submit to you. Help us be your people in our hearts, and in our shoes as we move in our community. Help us submit to you, Lord. Amen.